of intelligence it's inquisitive minds I missed you guys I'm gonna be honest I'm a little bit intimidated because my guest here David Luft is a PhD from Harvard University and a, kind of a funny story I met this guy we we're just working out and we somehow through my gift of gab started talking about pretty <laughs> controversial things it just goes to show you never know who you're gonna meet it might be a serial killer or it could be a guy that's a Harvard PhD so without further ado Here's David Love. I guess I'm just a serial killer here. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Rick, for having me on your podcast. It's fun to be here, and uh, I'm excited to see what I'm going to talk about. I, we don't know. This guy's a loose cannon. So. Yeah, I have no idea. So, David, for our listeners, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your, your background. We had lunch yesterday, and he's a fascinating character. Well, I was born thousands of years ago uh, during Second World War. I overlapped with Adolf Hitler, even, and... Uh, I grew up in Pennsylvania mainly and uh, went to just your regular old American, all-American high school. And then I went to Wesleyan University in Connecticut as an undergraduate, which was a, a really great place to get an education, really exciting place. Um, and I think that's probably shaped a lot of the way I teach and do things and write since then. Then I went to Harvard and uh, got sort of the standard history PhD, but the kind of history that interests me is intellectual history, so I, I mainly write about something a little different from what most historians do. I write about intellectual history, so I'm doing the history of ideas, mainly European things, but I've heard of the United States, so I, I've, I've, <laughs> I've lived here for a long time, so my credentials in, in U.S. stuff is just living here all my life. I think that's that's fair. You were saying you were saying that a lot of the ideas or the the history that you studied came from the Enlightenment period, which is basically what America is founded on. Right. So if you could maybe get into well, detail. you know, I, I'm right about Austria, and I think people don't realize that Austria because partly because Austria is a Catholic country, Protestants are sometimes prejudiced against it, and they don't realize how much of an impact the Enlightenment had in Austria, that the Austrians set up a really kind of a bureaucratic tradition of administration that was modern but not democratic in the way that we do it. But it was in a lot of ways similar to the United States, that they both states founded uh, their modern state in the 18th century, and they drew on the ideas uh, of the Enlightenment and um, so that that had a big impact throughout that whole tradition, as it has in ours. That's, yeah, that's. that's uh, I don't know what you particularly want me to talk about, but the, I think the big thing about the Enlightenment is the the belief in in knowledge, and so the university really is crucial to the Enlightenment and to ideas that come out of it. It's the belief that you can understand the world around you and help people by understanding them and yourself. Uh, and the world. I think one of the things people often don't try to understand enough is ourselves. And but uh, uh, I think the Enlightenment believed in knowledge, and it was it's an exciting thing, and it's still still going on. It is still going on, and that belief in an understanding itself is a, a big reason why I do this. And I want to interview people that are just like you that that have studied the history of ideas and and sort of mine pick your brain and mind and mind mind for the best ideas that maybe you've discovered on your journey towards getting your PhD. You said that you were influenced and loved Robert Musil. Right. And if you could tell us a little bit about us. Well, him. About us. him. Yeah, I, Musil is a hard guy to tell about because he doesn't have a big standard ideology. In a way, that's the biggest thing about him, that he, he just didn't buy big philosophies and so forth. So he liked philosophies, as he put it, in, in small slices. Um, he, he was a novelist, but he was also a great essayist. And he's not very well known. His name is spelled M-U-S-I-L. His big book is The Man Without Qualities. But it's so long that nobody reads it. <laughs> uh, but he, he did write essays. I translated his essays as Precision and Soul. 
But when that came out, actually, it was about the hottest selling book in New York and Chicago. Really? So in the big cities, the the nerds run around getting excited about him. Um, and he's he might be the most important German novelist in the 20th century, but in the States, most people don't read them. Academics do, but I mean, I, the average person doesn't want to read a thousand-page novel, no. uh, and it's hard. He's he's really smart, and basically, what he did was he took scientific ways of thinking, and approached uh, human emotions, human relationships, uh, in that spirit. Not to find laws. He's he's not dumb about it at all. He's very smart about it, but he's not afraid to use his mind to understanding. Uh, love and stupidity and prejudice and whatever else we do in our lives. Yes, yeah, so you, you were saying that uh, when we were at lunch, you said that he would poke fun at the Nazis. Well, I mean, actually, uh, the, one of the funny things is that he wrote maybe the best thing I've ever read on racism or race, really, in 1923. Uh, so it was just as Hitler was getting underway. And then over the next 10 years, he he tended to mock. Um, fortunately, not all of it was published at the time, so uh, he, he lived a few more years uh, longer. Uh, his big point about race theory is that race doesn't really exist, in 19, as most people think. 1923, in 1923, yeah. this guy so was So it's not some bio, biological reality that it's, um, and I, one of the things, one ways he says it is that it's like a snowflake. A snowflake is real. And and you got two snowflakes. They're completely different. And then there's no snow. No snow. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's amazing that someone in 1923 that had been relative is relatively obscure now had come to that conclusion. Yeah. That's also something that always kind of trips me out is how many scientists or uh, uh, scholars do a lot of their work in the dark shadows where right. no one knows yeah. what how important their discoveries are made, and maybe they won't be discovered until after they die. I think the way our society works now, it encourages people to get the, the top slice of what's going on, so we're all up on what Donald Trump said lately, but it, 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 nobody's pretending that Donald Trump is saying anything interesting or new, or anything that we need to know. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so we just never get to that, and we don't learn about it. It's too hard, and nobody tells us that it might be interesting. So what we tend to be able to get is technology, technology or technological change. But to me, that's like studying pencils or something. Really? That, yeah, because sure, it's great to have a pencil. And you know, I'd like to have a pencil sharpener too, but I, that's not my life. No. What my life is, is other people and my relationships with them and the world we live in and what we do with it. And that's what's exciting. And I, I don't feel like people take enough interest in that. You, I'm picking up what you're putting down, man. I'm picking it up. I, I feel the same way. I feel like, I look, this is how I sort of approach, approach my reality, is that, okay, I'm just this being that sort of discovered consciousness. My ancestors did. And we're sort of getting away from this tribal tradition. Human need, humans need people to care about them. We need sure. discourse. We need, we need a lot of things to progress, but we also we have to have a loving community. And in today's world, due to globalization and technological advances, we're missing part of that. We're missing what it means to be human, what it means to understand these emotions, or, or we're maybe even being ruled by emotions too much and not sure. by logic. And you sure. have... Like, as we discussed earlier, this anti-intellectual movement. Yeah. But, I mean, they're definitely, we'll get into that later. In America, to where people are intimidated by intelligence, and I can't understand why that is. I mean, well, I mean, maybe some, some intelligent people are jerks about it. And I think that's right. I think <laughs> it's pretentious, like being intimidated perhaps. by a, a tall guy. If he punches you, yeah. you're going to be intimidated, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is true. But I definitely think that we would all be a lot better if we would pay attention to what the crucial works that are happening in the shadows so to speak because especially within the literary and uh, liberal arts communities right. which I mean I there's a definite prejudice towards that sure. I feel like in today's society where if you're not an engineer or a doctor you're gonna be a lawyer uh, or whatever like right. these, whatever these right. th these prestigious jobs are right. Uh, you're nothing. Your degree's a joke. When re re realistically, that's not. That's of course, there's lots of other jobs out there, and I think the statistics show that the people who do well in those jobs are people who've learned to write and speak. But when you're an undergraduate, all, all that seems very clear is, you know, your parents want you to do something that 
you know, there's no history store or whatever. So they want you to do something where you could sell something and make some money. And it, it makes sense. But in fact, the people who go to law school probably doesn't matter what they did as undergraduates. No. There are a lot of things like that. People who go to business school, they could have majored in anything. It, yeah. it doesn't matter. Exactly. My daughter went to business school, and she says she still can't balance her checkbook. So who cares? <laughs> it's, it turns out to be people in organizations working together and, and like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that's a good point. That is a good point. I, another question I wanted to ask you is, how long, how long have you been teaching? Well, I, I went to graduate school in the late 60s. I think the first class I taught was as an undergraduate in 66. But I, um, I taught in, at Harvard in grad school, and then I came to San Diego in 72, and I taught there for 36 years. Mm -hmm. And now I've taught at OSU for eight years. Okay. And have you noticed, um, you've seen a lot of different generations sure. of kids. Have you noticed, like, any distinct differences that you could maybe quantify? You, know, you, you get little things. In a way, they're, they're local things. And one that, Early on, I think people were pretty left-wing. So, like, when I was at Harvard in grad school, Everybody I knew was in Students for Democratic Society, and and people were upset about uh, racism, and they were upset about uh, the war in Vietnam, and so lots of students were pretty radicalized, and that kind of got extreme at some point. Uh, but most of the time, it, it really wasn't that extreme. Uh, and there were a lot of awful things going on, the assassinations in 68 and all those kinds of things. So it was, it was kind of a radical time. And then I think people were struck in the 70s that people weren't as political and so forth. And then there was a, a, another turn maybe in the, in the 80s or 90s where a lot of people were evangelical Christians. But, you know, those things tend to be fairly superficial. And I think my own experience is that students are pretty much the same all the way through. Uh, that you know, you just get to know a student that it's a human being, and yeah. that usually takes care of itself. So I haven't really much cared what these changes were. Okay, that's fair. That's definitely fair. I was just wondering in terms of like, are people more open-minded now than they have been in the past? I or? never know how to generalize about that. It could be. I mean, obviously, things like. The computer and the internet changed things, and uh, you know, Facebook and social media. People have a kind of awareness that's different from what they used to. Um, but you know, thoughtful people are thoughtful people, and uh, I think people are always surprised what there is to read. I mean, I, I, you know, I bet none of your readers has read the the man without qualities or no. ever heard of Musil. But on the other hand, if one of them does, they will immediately just be amazed and it probably will change their lives. But maybe not, none of them will. And then, and that's, that's kind of what it's like to be a teacher. You can put things out there, but people may never pick them up. Yeah. Yes. And they don't know that they don't know. That, that's always, I hate that. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I want to know everything. And I mean, we were having lunch. He brought this guy up, and I was immediately upset. I was like, "How have I never heard of this dude?" Know. Like in the age of information, I don't know. The more, the older I get, or now I sound like an old man. Thanks, Dad. No, yeah, the, that's the, right. Yeah, the the older I get, though, the the more I realize I don't have a fucking clue about anything. Well, I mean, <laughs> I don't it's know. true of all of us in some kind of way. But I, there are, you know, some things that we find that seem to be helpful. And Musil's just the kind of guy who's good at thinking about real life, thinking about things like race or racism or mm -hmm. politics. And you say, gee, that helps me. I sort of see now, I think he's interested in the complexity of things, that it, things aren't all just one way or the other. I think that's, I think that what you just said, things aren't all, aren't all one way or the other. I think that that's incredibly important to remember in today's society, that it's not like this whole, you, c you can't, you're either pro-cop yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, or or right, pro-black. Exactly. Yeah. Like I can't can even be, keep track of yeah, you can which be prejudice both. am I supposed to have right now. Yeah, you can be both, or which you can be both. You can yeah, support sure. cops of and course. support the Black Lives Matter movement. Sure. Um, not everyone, like, I, I, you see all these uh, malicious interviews of people just 
on the internet and whatnot of people like they don't even know what's going on in this movement now maybe not the common person does but they're down there to show support and you making it like mockery of what they're doing and, and trying to support something isn't conducive to solving any sort of no, problem no. not at all I don't know why people seem to do that but it just I don't know it seems to be a thing but I don't yeah, know. I never have gotten that. It just wouldn't even occur to me. Sorry. No. <laughs> no, I don't know why. Yeah. Well, you're not a dick. <laughs> well, I don't, I'm sorry. You're very kind to say so. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't presume it. I like you so far. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, we'll get over it. <laughs> we'll get past that. We'll, 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 we'll try. We'll try to get past that. One thing I, I, I didn't mention before, maybe is interesting, that I was brought here in 2008 partly because of what you brought up, that it, because this is a technologically oriented university and land grant, and it's kind of aimed at the practical issues, mm -hmm. they, they brought me partly to, to do the humanities and, and other kinds of things like that. And I think a lot of people have a little tendency to think, think of that as highfalutin, like a regular person yeah. who isn't going to want to read books and stuff. But they're the people who the books are there for. <laughs> yes, yes, that that yes, they're meant for people right. like that because it's it's going to help you better translate or understand the nature and we of reality. All just read one book at a time or whatever. We can only be whoever we are. We, nobody's going to know everything. Yes, which actually I was talking about this on a, 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 a earlier episode of the podcast. How do you feel about that? Because um, it's kind of one of my big gripes of of the academic process is being expected to be an expert in everything oh, or no. being expected to be per, per, perfect or get good I, for me I, i'm sort of a weird dude like i never gave a shit about grades it was all about retention and sort of trying to grasp the material not so much performing on a test i didn't really pay attention to that yeah but i don't know i feel like sometimes grades can sure. be negative in a sense. Sure. I understand there has to be a unit of measure to measure performance right. of the faculty. But you know, when I when I got to Harvard, I realized that everybody I knew was like had the best grades at their university and stuff like that. And it wasn't an entirely good thing. It didn't make them all really interesting, exciting, imaginative people. And so, you know, it can be a bad thing if you've just had your nose to the grindstone all your life. When I first got to Westlake, you, you mentioned something about best advice. Yeah. <laughs> when I, I got there as a freshman, it was my first week, and I come in to talk to this guy I'd never met before, some really old geezer like me, uh, and he was, he was uh, in classics. And he listened about me, gave him some advice, checked over my record. He said, I have only one piece of advice for you. Don't make Phi Beta Kappa. <laughs> Truly. That's really what he said. Really? I said, what? <laughs> because he, I think he thought, you're a nice young man. Go have a valuable college experience. Grow and learn and don't get too caught up in having a straight A average or stuff like that. That's pretty cool. So that that was, I asked him, uh, for the listeners, I asked him for what is the best piece of advice anyone's ever given him before the show that, started? You know, I mean, that's certainly one I give uh, people is I tell, always tell students that I, I would never advise a student to, uh, to date or get married or have children or go to graduate school. <laughs> And the reason for that is, you, for all of those things, you have to be crazy already. Mm -hmm. And so you, you don't do it. You know, when people say, you know, you really should get married or, you know, you really should go to grad. It doesn't make any sense. You do it because you want to do it. Yeah, yeah, that's, yes. I, I'm forever. So I hardly ever give anybody any advice. Really? Yeah. What, what was, but I'm going to ask for some advice. What what piece of advice, how, how, What's the best advice for, for me to live a fulfilled life? Oh, I think you're doing great. Just be you. Become yourself. Find yourself. I think that's, yeah, yeah. not enough people spend enough time doing that. You know, I think it unfolds and, and you discover it. I mean, I think I'm still becoming myself. It's kind of exciting in my 70s to say, wow, I guess maybe that's who I am. Ooh. So, hey, well, I don't, what, I don't, what new things have you learned about yourself recently? Well, I think it's, you. you get... You know the way, the way a, a dog really is into being a dog? Yeah. And when a dog runs off, that's what a dog does. He's ready to be a dog, yeah. 100%. And I think there are moments when, when I feel like that, like, yeah, this feels right. So it isn't anything intellectual so much as just being in the world and being my own body, seeing who I am in the world, understanding, seeing the people around me. 
Lear you know, learning to take everything in and, yeah. and appreciate the other people and all that kind of stuff. Sort of being in the present moment. Yeah, a lot, a lot of it's that. I mean, obviously, I'm a historian, and one of the funny things about our society is that people really have trouble thinking beyond the present. And in that way, I think I'm, I'm a little different. I noticed when they had this thing about uh, the Supreme Court, and what was the th thing about... Um, Oh, because uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg had said something about Trump and people were upset with her for going outside the proper decorum of a Supreme Court justice. And people don't realize that actually justices used to run for president. I did not know yeah, that, actually. Right? And, and so they, 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 they didn't last week. But if that's our range of stuff, they did 200 years ago. And so it's part of American life. It's one of the things you can do. And most judges try to be restrained. And I think she decided she'd prefer that. But we just we see history as, I don't know, maybe back to World War II. And then we just skip the rest of it. Oh, yes. Yes. I'm, I'm, I picked up a copy of Thomas Paine's uh, Common Sense. I'd yeah. like to read that. And I'd also like to read... Uh, oh, that's the Enlightenment. Yeah, yeah. He was a, he was an, he's an interesting character. I think what sparked this is just... Um, I went to this... Some guy that walked across America... Um, oh, yeah. And dressed in a... a like a, the, the one of the wigs and the, the weird hats. Oh, okay. Like an 18th the, century yeah, 18th guy. 18th century yeah. guy with the stockings. Powdered. With, yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe he was a member of the Whig Party. Oh, but but he he went he he started walking across the United States just to aware, raise awareness for the Bill of Rights. Like this okay. is our rights okay. and blah 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 blah. And he started talking about Thomas Paine and how much of a radical he was back yeah, he then. Was, yeah. He was a really independent thinker, and he thought he had some radical ideas about um, like the youth getting ten thousand dollars just to see what they would do with it. What kind of innovations would mm -hmm. be sparked? I think he was probably maybe the founding father of liberalism. Um, and I wanted to read some of his ideas and see if they would apply in today's society or how good a good of ideas they are. Uh, because there's, the people that set up our government were, were geniuses. I mean, granted, yeah, they did a great job. Yeah. They did do a good job. Um, personally, sometimes I think we we might need to change. So, they got a few things wrong, yeah, but they it was a nice start. It was a great start, and um, I I think that we all as Americans need to really sort of look at the past, look at how they set up the government, the various checks and balances, what they wanted, because we're, I feel like we are so far from what they had in mind. Uh, this is libertarian me coming out, if yeah. you can't tell, yeah. um, that I think we need to sort of re-educate ourselves on these premises. And uh, how do you feel, the, do you think that uh, the education to in today's society, do you think they do a good job of teaching American history, or do you think it's it's primarily whitewashed slash not really oh, the full story? I, I mean, nothing's ever perfect like that. I think every place is different. So you think in high school or I'm, I'm going to say I mean, high school. I mean, a college I mean, definitely. College, you they, have options. You they, can go. They know deep. what's up. Yeah, uh, they definitely do. And then you know you can get it. Depends a little on the teacher which books they read and stuff. Uh, and I think in high schools they've been trying to to modernize it and every state's a little different about it but yeah it's it's hard to, people don't know very much I mean you often have teachers who don't know that much history themselves I remember when uh, I was in, in high school my history was my worst subject really and, and not in how I did but in terms of it was the worst thing to do right? okay the it. most boring yeah. thing and and it was because it was taught by people who didn't know anything they were teaching out of the textbook and so history, I always remember the Teapot Dome scandal. I don't know myself even what that is. I think it's Warren G. Harding or something. But it's just these like trivial facts that nobody cares about. And they would just plod through the book and you had to memorize this stuff mm. and, and say it back. So there was no passion. There, there, the, the yeah, people no real passion. understanding. And so, you know, so whether they, they were politically correct or not, maybe wasn't so much the point, but they they just weren't interesting or saying anything important. How do you feel about political correctness in today's world? Well, it, it gets used to mean different things. I, in the sense I, I first got into uh, aware of political correctness, I think it might have been as long ago as the 70s or 80s. And so in the university, what happened there was 
there were some people on the left who thought they had just discovered race or gender. Yeah. And so basically, there was a tendency to say, you know, you hire my friend, then you're on the right side. You, yeah. you hire my wife, you're on the right side. And actually, it's a little more complicated than that. And so if you, when I found that when I, I resisted this kind of thing, I would often get confused of being a reactionary or a right wing. And I used to say, you know, the irony is I agree with these people about everything in terms of the values, but it's a different way of, of bringing it into the world. And, you know, I, I, I think self-righteousness is generally worrisome and it narrows the mind and, and so forth. And so, you know, I think political correctness goes on different levels. I mean, so what I, I might see as political correctness isn't the same thing that Donald Trump might see. Well, it's not my biggest problem, but I, I understand that it can be a danger. Well, his, his whole point is anti-political correctness. It's, it's shock value. He's essentially right, manipulating right. the media. They've created Whereas I philosophy. think, say, racism is much worse. Yes. But, you know, obviously people can get too damn-y-pampy about it. And yes. They don't deal with issues yes. very well. I think, and I, I might re- come to regret saying this, but I think, like we were sp- speaking earlier, comedy or make poking fun at our differences. Sure. It all depends on the context in which sure. things are said and the comfortability of another person, but I don't see anything wrong with it. Like, oh, you know, no. like you look at if someone that might be of a different transgender sure. or whatnot, I I will always think that you're crazy. Yeah, but, right. And not that I don't love you. I just don't. Right. I can't right. understand that. Right. I've never lived that life. I'm not going to judge you. If I, I always say if I can't understand something, I love it. But if I love something, I'm going to make I'm, You bet you're damn right I'm going to make fun of it at some point I just can't help it. I think the it. best thing actually is irony and I think a lot of the, if you take somebody like Chris Rock say yes. he's making fun of himself a lot of the time Oh yeah. and and so you know maybe I don't get to make fun of him but he gets to make fun of him and that changes the whole ground that we walk on and I, I think a lot of good comedy is self-irony. Yes. So I got to learn to make fun of myself. If I can't see what's funny about the white boy from Harvard, then you know I got nothing to bring, and none of my jokes are going to be funny. Yeah. Yeah. The enemy. We were no. Yeah. The enemy. The enemy. The enemy. Privileged white man. That's it. That's it. We shouldn't even be talking. That's honestly. right. I apologize. No, we shouldn't. Yeah, uh, I'm, you know. I'll, I'll clear out of here. <laughs> <laughs> no. I. Yeah. That's. Yeah, that's. A I, thing. I also think that um, bubbles remaining in the same type of hanging out with the same types of people that's hard to beat i mean people grow up in a town and everybody looks like them and does everything they do and and it's it's hard to get out of that and find i mean that's part of why you go to a big university or something you start to rattle around with other people but you know it's still it's still hard not every university gives you that well, I don't know if I've addressed this on the podcast before, but I have a idea on how to fix this. Yeah. So I'm going to throw this out there right now. When I run for president, no. All right. Uh, well, why not? We, we need to do a, it, as soon as everyone turns in 18, selective service. Not, there's be three branches. Military would be an option, but some sort of public service to America. We have a crumbling infrastructure we have a lot of like uh, underprivileged uh, communities that might need to be rebuilt sure. parks whatever sure. and have the youth everyone rich poor doesn't matter everyone if you're an american citizen has to do this for two years what and a great way to get yeah, to meet people yeah, get to meet people you're, you're, you're see a new place see a new place and we could take 59 percent of what is spent on the military industrial complex i think that's 50 we're 59 of our tax dollars go and Where are we going to get our gold toilets? I don't know, man. Uh, that's yeah. a big problem. Or uh, you know, making the latest technologically advanced the drones, trillion-dollar airplanes. Yeah, like we could take all that money, or you know, half of it, and funnel that back into paying these these youth. And then after their two years of service, then they can go to college and they could meet new friends and do. And they might get people. more out of it. My mother loved to teach guys who. Uh, Hadn't hadn't stayed in high school. She would teach prep school for guys who were coming back from the Korean War, oh, and wow. they were thirty or something. And she would throw books at them and give them all, all kinds of trouble. 
But they were fun. They wanted to learn. They had yes. some idea what they wanted to learn. Exactly. And people 18 often really don't want to be here, thank you. No, not at all. Not at, it's, it's more of a forced thing. It's, we have to, you have to go to school to get a job to pay back this debt. Well, you're basically an indentured servant. Totally. Or slash totally, slave. You totally. know, I don't know. I, I've, I wish I didn't go to college until maybe now. I'm glad it's pretty much over. It's done. But Sure. I think uh, a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. I think it's it's wise to wait. And I think the, the people who went into the military or went on a mission or just did something weird that was different, went to Europe for a year, I think most of them feel they benefited from that and see things differently when they get back. Absolutely. It's always good to change your perspective. I've yeah. been pr- you know, blessed enough, privileged, whatever you want to call it, to, to have experienced that. I've lived in another country for a time. I've I've intermixed and dated with dated and had friends from all different backgrounds and nationalities. I think that that's an, an important part of being a yeah, well-rounded absolutely. human being. I think you've probably had the same privileges yeah, sure. as well. You've traveled. Where where have you I, been? I've been a lot in in Europe because because I do European history. Yeah, yeah. And I I learned German when I was in high school, and then I I, I studied mainly in Vienna and Munich, and then later I learned other languages. Actually, I started learning Spanish when I was in, I think, fourth grade. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that way I was in a fun school that, that did that. So, I, you know, I'm not great at Spanish, but, you know, I can talk to my friends a little bit and horse, horse around. And, and then more recently, I've learned Czech and Polish and Russian. And well, you're like, a, are you a polyglot? Well, kind of. I, I, it sounds dirty to me, but yeah. Strova <laughs> Kogdala. <laughs> oh, you know that stuff. Yeah, so what, do you, what, what made you get into Russian? Oh, man, construction. Oh, funny. Yeah, honestly, it works construction. The other guys speak Russian? They did speak Russian. So I did, I did learn enough to know if they were talking shit or not. You okay. Know? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So I know, yeah. Dansk. What? Snagodudensk. Do you speak Danish now? Snaga do Dansk. I I I don't know that one. Is that Russian? It's Danish. Oh, I don't know any Danish. I, I just thought I'd throw. Oh, okay, it. no, I, I don't know Danish. everything. I, I lived there for. A I while. ain't no genius, but I got interested either. in things, and then I I learned them. And because I do Austrian history, Austria was a, a country that had lots of nationalities in it historically, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, often people don't study the others; they just study the ones that ran the country. Yeah. And actually, there are lots of interesting people. And yeah. So the Czechs are one one of the most important ones. And I've been studying the Czechs a lot for the book that I'm writing. Ooh, what book is that? It's a book on the Austrian tradition and German culture. I think people don't realize how many of the smart so-called Germans actually came from another country. They came from Austria, mm-hmm. and so people like Sigmund Freud's the obvious one. But there are lots of others. Uh, Ernst Mach or the guy I was talking about Robert Musil uh, there are lots of these smart guys who weren't actually from Germany but they wrote in German is that where Hitler's from too? he is he is all the best people all the best <laughs> <laughs> but they, they, because of that, they don't understand what happened and so in a way you could explain all of German history by understanding Austria and, and people don't realize that I mean when Hitler became chancellor the first thing he did was annex Austria what good German would do that? Who, who cares about Austria? Well, he did, because that was his, his whole thing. And he, he learned a lot about anti-Semitic politics there, because the Austrians were better at anti-Semitic politics than anybody before the First World War. Mm-hmm. So there, there are all kinds of interconnections. And a lot of the smartest people, a lot of the best writers lived there. And we just don't realize that if we see their names, we think they're Germans. This is, yeah. Nietzsche, Nietzsche was not Austrian, though. He no, but Munich. he had a huge impact. And so the people that I'm interested in were all tremendously influenced by Nietzsche. And so the, I, I say it's a kind of ethical way of thinking, but sort of the exciting people of the early 20th century, like Mosil or you know, Franz Kafka, mm-hmm. a lot of these people who just really have an instinct about what to do with life in the modern world were in Austria. Yeah, I did not I'm I'm learning this right now. I did not quite know how important Austria, this little yeah, country. Yeah, nobody. I think really just about nobody does. Yeah, you found I, a little niche to study. I, I like was it. at a conference once at Berkeley. It was on German history, and I gave a talk called "The Other Germany." And one of my buddies came up to me afterwards. He says, "You know, none of us know this this Austrian stuff. You know, they're all German historians, yeah. right? But they, pff, what's Austria?" 
And the Austrians don't want to be associated with it, probably a lot because of Hitler. They want credit for Beethoven, who was born in Germany but got famous in Austria. But they, they don't want to be associated with it, but it's the same language. Yeah, yeah, it is the same language. And I understand that the the, the arm's length, like, eh, no, because yeah, the, the hey, Nazis used I, a lot of I got nothing to do with their that. philosophy. They also used some of Nietzsche's, uh, Nietzsche. Oh, Nietzsche? sure. Nietzsche. Nietzsche. They also use a lot of his uh, his moral mor- his morality clauses or, or sure, thoughts on morality. Sure. I mean, obviously, each <clears throat> of these countries has all different shapes and sizes of people, and some of them are wise and some of them are foolish, and mm-hmm. they might all draw on Nietzsche, and you never know what you're going to get. You, do, you don't know that guy's dark and crazy. And they, He's they, a genius. People tend to get Nietzsche wrong, and I think it's usually. If, if you don't like Nietzsche, ask yourself if you ever read him. <laughs> and you'll find most of the time people have not read him. So they don't know why it is that that there's a problem or, or what exactly the problem is. Nihilism is very interesting because it's it has some good points, but at the same time, I know you're, you truly can't not care about anything because if I asked to cut your arm off, you'd say, no, I don't want but you to y- do that. But that's, that's not what Nietzsche talked about. Mm. His, his view of nihilism was that the whole Western tradition is life-denying. I, okay, well, I see that to a point, yes. Okay, and yeah. so he, that's what he means by nihilism. Not his own view, okay. but what everybody's been doing, Christianity, philosophy... The, the whole Western tradition is the nihilism. Like, you know, oh, you just blew my mind. Yeah, nobody sir. knows this, and they get you it upside down and backwards. I was in the Socratic book club, and we did a... Um, if you know who James Sire is, he wrote this book called The Universe Next Door. Okay. And we basically, you, you explore, I think, the 13 predominant religions and, and, and ways of thinking, and nihilism. Nihilism or nihilism? I, I, I say nihilism. I'm going to I'm gonna have to say nihilism. I'm sorry. Okay. I can handle, I can handle it. <laughs> but uh, we, explore, we explored that, and there was, a, you know, the, the, the argument about you know, cutting your arm off. But not, I, we didn't, the author got it wrong. I, I tend to agree with you now, reading a little bit of Nietzsche. Uh, it's that we are. I mean, the Judeo-Christian way of thinking, or you know, uh, sort. There are certain aspects that deny life, like. Well, I can't think of these aspects right now. Sure. Uh, there's, but you know, we well, put restrictions. Asceticism. We put re- restrictions asceticism. on. Yeah. You know, that's. He means all of that stuff, and actually, he goes back. His one of his first books was called Schopenhauer as Educator, okay. and Schopenhauer was this terrible guy. He was. He was, well, he, he was a misogynist. He was a, just a reactionary. Uh, he was not a racist, interestingly. Ooh, but he had a lot. So kind of for the 19th century, he was an interesting yeah. guy. But he's, he's a really obnoxious person. But his basic insight was the cut your arm off thing. Yeah. And that, that is that what we basically are is bodies. We're bodies. And so he sets out from that. And But his view that he comes to is is kind of negative, and Nietzsche wants to take that view and be positive about it, to set out from the point of view that, to make a world for the, these bodies. Yeah. So that people can be in the world with their bodies. Be in the moment. I don't have a body myself, so I don't know what he's talking about. a giant meat wagon, we all have one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just drag it along behind just, me. That's what I chose. <laughs> you just blew my mind. I learned something. I was not expect. I thought I knew the nihilism thing. Yeah, yeah. You did I mean, not. it is interesting that it's exactly the opposite. And people know this, and they know it without reading him. And if you just read him, he explains what nihilism is. Nihilism is the whole history of Western civilization. It does make a lot of sense. There's a it lot does. of life denying, a yeah. lot of butchering of yeah. civilizations. Oh, he just sat back and was depressed about oh. it and wrote about it. He encoded it in some very complex things. Yeah, but I mean, he he's hard to did. follow, he's and he's obnoxious, follow. and he's insulting, pretentious. And if perhaps? he doesn't attack, probably yeah. He says, "Why? Why? You know why?" His funniest book is the one about his Ecce Homo. And this has titles to the chapters like "Why I Am So Brilliant" or uh, "Why My Books Are So Wonderful." And and but he means it as a joke. He's yeah. being he he says at the end of that book, "I'm not a saint. I'm a buffoon." Well, you know, you're not allowed to say that. He probably was the most important intellectual of the of the modern world, but he thinks he was a buffoon. That's not that's not permitted. 
And certainly it's not authorized in the university, so you know, I, I take this back. Yeah, alleged, you didn't hear it from an, me. an alleged buffoon. Yeah, we like the yeah, word yeah. alleged oh, on right. this podcast. Who knew that, man? That is very interesting. That is, guys. Uh, if you you haven't, you got to check out a lot of Jenny's. misinformation, eh? There is, <laughs> there is. Are you from Canada? No. <laughs> there is. A lot of my a, friends are my my super graduate student just finished his PhD. So he's Canadian, and my buddy in grad school is Canadian. So places crawling with Canadians. I love, you gotta watch out. You I never love know. Canada. You ever been? Oh yeah, my sister lives there. My oh, sister's what, adopted. What oh, what part of Canada? She lives in Ontario in Hamilton, where McMaster is. Okay, I've I've only been to Vancouver. I'd like to go to Quebec and possibly. Uh, yeah, I've never been to Quebec. Yeah, I, yeah, I want to check it out. I'll it seems all fun. weird. Yeah. You got all this, this French influence. Work on your French. Get some flagois. Get something to go with your Russian. Some, yeah, there you go. No, I don't know. I'm not fluent by any means. I just could pick some things up. I'd like to. Have you been to Russia? Yeah, I w- when I went in '84, I was really shocked. I didn't realize it was it was like Tijuana it was like Tijuana with uh, nuclear weapons yeah and and it was it was really kind of a, a jolt so I, I I I was not impressed and I I would stop people in the subway you know I knew just about enough Russian to talk to people in the subways or watch TV and I, I once asked this woman and she was for directions and she was sca- so scared to talk to me and she was American? like, right, yeah, because I was an outsider. Mm. And we were probably being followed. I mean, it's weird. I'd never been in a world like that. And I have to admit, you know, it was really good to get out of there. We we basically couldn't leave our hotel. You couldn't go to dinner unless you had a reservation, and you could only get a reservation for a place where you're staying in the hotel. And so there were all these kinds of restrictions. It was hard to get much out of being there. Oh, really? And so we got to the airport. <laughs> We just jumped up and down for joy <laughs> once we got through, you know, the inspections yeah. and things. It was a pretty scary place to be. Really? I wonder if it's still like that. I'd like to go to Russia for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's 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 risky. You know, it's variable. You're gonna have, you know, cops who are like that and some who aren't, and you know, whatever. But I'd like yeah. to sit down with Putin and. Oh, uh, yeah, we'll all sit down with Putin. And I think he's a very interesting leader. He's very strong. He's very, very strong. I'm not saying he's good. I'm sure he has a bunch of human rights I think violations. you could take him. Huh? Maybe. I, I, I think maybe. you take him. No, back. no, I couldn't. He's like a black belt in Is judo. he really? Yeah, so he's really no, a killer. He's legit, dude. KGB operative. Yeah, he yeah. is legit. Uh, I'd but, chop your head off. Yes, he would. Yeah. He would eat my heart for breakfast, I'm really? sure. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But he's uh, So you're not a killer type? I used to be. Yeah, really? I've did you, did you ever learn that kind of stuff? Uh, just I, football. Just football. I did. Well, I did a little martial arts. Okay. I still do a little Muay Thai, some Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Okay. But, but you never got to a high level. No, where, man, I sucked. Yeah, yeah. I'm, it's a process. Maybe in like ten. So years. So my wife could beat you up, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah right. I think she, she might be she's able really to, mean. She might be able to take <laughs> me. Um, so I was going to ask, what's the most unexpected thing you have learned along your journey through life, and or, or just getting your PhD? You think it's the most unexpected thing? No, I, 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 I would say r- really nothing. Um, you know, I, I, I don't learn kind of in that kind of way. I think Harvard was a disappointing experience for me. So for grad school, you know, getting my PhD, I just read the stack of books and, and got through. And I, I, I was not happier or better afterwards. Nothing. I can't think of much positive to say about it. Uh, but over the course of my life, you know, I learned from my kid and my friends and just living uh, and students. And I've learned a lot from students, but it's hard for me to just pull together in like one big surprise or. Yeah, that, that is kind of a. Tough. I think it's very gradual for me. I, I, I live life in just. Right. What am I, well, maybe I'll figure out what I'm learning now, a year from now. That's deep. Okay, I see what you're saying. It's you're you're sort of on always on a journey of self improvement. But it's and, not and something, education. and it's but it's not some tangible thing. Like I learned that two plus two is four. Yeah. No. And so I I don't really care about things like that. They're all interchangeable and trivial. And so it's important to me to tell the truth and be objective. But it, I don't discover much. Like that, like the piece of wisdom 
the this is the truth. This is what I never knew or whatever. Truth with that capital T. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, that, that makes sense to me as well because that's a good thing because you're always curious and always hungry. You're always looking. But I think also what's really important kind of always stays the same. Never really changes. That's true. Treating other people right. Uh breathing yeah health <laughs> staying, healthy. staying healthy you know it's it's really pretty pretty dumb stupid that honestly that's so simple but that's that's pretty smart so. it's kind of profound actually really, <laughs> really if you well you put a good good spin on no, it so but if you think I, about it what what is important has always really been the same community yeah, I your I mental health, true. your physical well-being, true. your family. And so really nothing's changed from when I was a little kid in that sense. Yeah. What I think is important is pretty much the same. That's very simple. I like that. Very simplistic. I'm always trying to I was lucky my parents loved me. I was incredibly lucky. As so, well. like, you know, you just do dumb stuff like love people. Yeah, that's pretty stupid to do. I try. I do it all the time. Though. Yeah, and you'll get you in trouble. It People will say has. you're a damn fool sometimes. But. <laughs> <laughs> you got to learn to take it. What is the best idea that you have stumbled across in, in your quest to find all the history of ideas? Wow, boy. Top Top, you can get top three, top four too. You know, I, I, I don't I don't bundle ideas like that. You know, like I have I get nothing to offer to you in that kind of way. That's true, that's a tough question because there's a lot of ideas, a lot of And some of them are just simple. Uh, and so they're you know, they're not very new. I, I don't know that I know much that's really new. There's a, you know, I could hear on the radio, like going home I could hear a joke on the radio or a story about somebody I'd never heard of before that would just amaze me and I'd either laugh my brains out or, you know, go home and tell my wife, Jay, you're not gonna believe this, do you realize, whatever. But it's not, that's not the kind of thing that I'm gonna remember the next day or tell somebody, you have to know this. Yeah. It's just life is much more exciting and happy because you're taking all that in. So I wanna keep learning and being open to everything. You know, it's really hard to think of. It is funny. It's very, it's a strange. And that's why I say I have no principles and I don't stand for anything. I don't have some big overriding idea that's new and different or, you know, like, wow. Yes, you're a very humble man. Well, I, I don't know about that. I mean, <laughs> I mean to be a horse's ass. I'll, I'll, I'll work on it. No, but it makes a lot of sense because um, saying that is almost a, it's almost like you're arrogant. You know, like this or, or this is the yeah, idea. I, I this is maybe, this. Maybe the big idea I've, I've learned is I, I, I'm really concerned about self-righteousness. I, I think maybe I, I, that and, but is. I, that was something that taught me as a little kid. You know, Jesus said, to, you know, watch out for the Pharisees. You know, yeah. these pricks think they're all that, and they'll tell everybody else how to live. And that isn't what it's about, right? So in that sense, I haven't learned anything since I was six years old. <laughs> it's pretty dumb and pretty easy. Yeah. And there are always going to be people around who know better than you do and could give you the 23 things that are better, and I, I don't have those. I think that's fair, though. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. You, you're not forcing your ideas or preaching or anything. You're just yeah. Sort and of yet, being here. and yet, I, I mean, I think most of the time, what's important and what's valuable is is kind of obvious to everybody. You know, you meet somebody's grandmother, you probably agree with her about everything, right? I mean, it isn't it isn't rocket science. Yeah. What's what matters in life? No, no, not at all, not at all. We'll switch gears real quick. What? What sort of parallels do you see in our society today that you have seen in your studies of your Well, I mean, the, the obvious thing going on now is the, is the political situation because, you know, I've studied uh, German politics in the 20s and 30s most of my life in some way or other, and I could never understand it. And I, when I was a kid, I, I used to say, well, Daddy, like, did the, did the Germans just decide to... to they wanted to kill all the Jews, and then they vote for somebody who would do that for them. And 
how did it happen? And so I ended up going into history a lot to kind of figure out what, what was going on there. And understanding how Hitler came to power was really confusing um, and hard to follow. And one of the things that's been interesting in, in recent years is that the dynamics in the, in the Republican Party have been very similar. And I think um, part of it is one of the things that happened in, in the 1920s and 30s was you had a left and a right. You had the communists mm -hmm. and you had the Nazis. And they fed off each other. And I think so many people had decided that we don't know what we want, but we know we want to turn all this over. We know we want to destroy all this. And oh, wow. it sounds that familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. And so at the time, you know, people would say, a lot of people would leave the Communist Party and go over to the Nazi Party. I'd say, how could that be? That's ridiculous. They're the opposite. But they, they seem to come back around and, and touch each other. And um, so there's a lot about the way Hitler did politics that rings a bell, that sense of complete flexibility that, you know, I say one thing today and another thing tomorrow, and it doesn't even matter. And the main thing is speaking to the emotions. And Hitler was a great man in his ability to talk directly to the feelings. And so for us, he looks silly. He looks like Charlie Chaplin or something like that. But, you know, if you go back to the 20s, the cool guys all had mustaches and black hair and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And they looked just like Charlie Chaplin. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so Hitler had that down. And, you know, the women went nuts over him, and the crowds went nuts, and they screamed, and they shouted like a football game. Well, you know, he did pretty good. Yeah. And uh, nobody could figure it out. And so all the boring people got shunted off to the sidelines so he could, he could run things. And I see a lot of appetite for that kind of thing today. I'm definitely guilty of thinking that, like, especially with Trump. I, I, I have my reservations about... First off, vote for Gary Johnson. Look him up, folks. He's awesome. Uh, but he's different, and he's crazy. And I, I was a little bit uh, concerned when I found out that the the type of language he uses in his speech is basically that of a, like, I think it's like a, of a fifth grade or maybe it's second grade. It's Trump. Even, yeah, Trump. It's not How did great. I guess? <laughs> <laughs> Hillary is like six, and Bernie Sanders was high school, I believe. Uh, but yeah. um, he doesn't say anything, really. Yeah. And he yells a lot. And he, I, I, bet, I, bet, I bet Hitler did a lot of the same things, manipulating the media right. and doing... You know, and it's striking to see. And it's striking to see the rationales people give. Uh, it's, is, a, yes. it's, it's amazingly similar. And also... I mean, they're different issues. So, totally. like, you know, Hitler didn't care about Mexicans or... Whatever, you know, it wasn't all the same. But I think, you know, the, the sense of economic crisis was a big thing mm -hmm. that, that got him going. And I think Trump is certainly able to speak to that, to say to all the people who feel left out and overlooked and untaken care of, I don't know that he has any ideas about what to do to help them. No. But he's he can speak to their feelings emotionally. Yeah. So they like him, they trust him, like, you're our kind of guy, you'll go get him for us. But I just, I mean, that way of thinking is totally illogical in, it It doesn't make any sense. You have a guy that has never had to want for anything in Absolutely. his life. Absolutely. He, he, he started everything with a small million dollar loan. Yeah, I only had a million dollar loan. I had a, a million dollars. <laughs> oh my God, it never yeah. gave me a million. And, and, and that's, he, he becomes uh, this empire, and uh, this this yeah. building empire. He ends up bankrupting several companies and mom and pa not paying the people that did labor for on his buildings and whatnot. I'm bankrupt now. Pretty smart. It's actually really brilliant. Um, there's you know there's certain things I like. I like his tax things. We we discussed that earlier. But anybody can come anyone up with those. can come I mean, up. With, but it's also and it's an incentive for him as well. I mean he sure. tax breaks for corporation oh. like it's it's a good idea. Uh, that he wants to lower the the corporate tax rate from fifteen percent. Uh, or two fifteen percent. It's sixteen point five percent in Hong Kong right now. Uh, that difference, if you have hundreds of millions of dollars, like corporations do, stored overseas in China, that would ideally bring the money flooding back into the United States. We would collect their government would collect revenue from the taxes. Yada yada yada. That's a good idea, but that's also self-interest because who? 
Trump owns corporations, and then he would have a tax break. He could bring his money in here. So, you know, I don't know. That's that's not entirely good. Uh, it could be good for our government, but then again, uh, when can we trust them to pay off debt? They can't manage money they have. I could go on sure. like this for sure. hours, but not gonna but you know there are certain things that i do like i have looked into them i can't i i will say that i am ignorant to hillary's platform just because i hate her so much which i think is i you know what i find interesting that people hate her so much i know i don't really understand that i think it's a lot propaganda i think you know back to the to the what is the rose law firm and the and whitewater people have been marketing stories yeah and they they i think most of them aren't even true but they get said over and over mm-hmm. again. Yeah. And she doesn't draw you in. She's no. not like Obama or like her husband. She can't cuddle you and, yeah. and be a sweetie. So in that way, she's like the people that Hitler defeated. She's mm. kind of a boring bureaucrat. That's, and people don't like that. We don't trust that. And yeah. then you have the, this my whole But it might be what we need. And so that's no. the, oh, oh yeah, right. You see what that. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Trump Johnson. will give you charisma. Yeah, well, that's true though. I, sometimes a person, generally speaking, the loudest person in the room is the weakest person in the room. It could it could be? I mean, could they're, be. They're different. you know, you know, you know who the most charismatic figure of the 20th century was? Adolf Hitler. Yeah. So we're not making this up. People love that charisma. It is. It's something. I mean, you know, think about all yeah. the cult leaders. Everyone. Yeah, totally, there's something totally. that. There's totally. something that. And it doesn't mean everybody. Primal is. brains you know, that just draws Obama's us in. Obama's charismatic, and King was charismatic. You know, it's not as simple as that, but it can just be the most ghastly person. Yeah, a monster. But, you know, th- my thing with Hillary is, I-, I think maybe it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy in a sense. After the Benghazi incident, I was like, I told everyone that it's sort of politically accurate. What did she do wrong there? I don't even know. The leaked emails. The, she didn't call for help because it was an election year and people died. I don't people really know. People made that all up. I mean, it's not what happened. Uh, you know. And I, these, these guys who hate her have checked every comment and semicolon and they can't find anything. But what about the leak? What about the leaked emails, though? What what leaked emails? The 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 she was sending confidential. Okay, but that doesn't have anything to do with Benghazi. It doesn't. But that's okay. that's a so little the, shady. The issue, There's there, some fuckery the issue, going well, on there. The issue there is simply <clears throat> that she used her husband's computer at home, mm-hmm. and because he had it approved as president, she figured it would be okay for her to use it. And now they're saying it wasn't, and she probably shouldn't have done it, and and all that. But that there. I don't know that she leaked anything. That, I don't think she really leaked, but, but if you that that breach of security, um, if you or I did that, do you know where we would be? Yeah, but we're not Secretary of State. No, but if the laws don't apply to her, the same laws. But that's, but they, that's the same way it is with every Secretary of State. I, Colin Powell would not be prosecuted. No, but Colin he Powell did, did some my, of the same kinds to, of things. To my knowledge, to my knowledge, and I could be wrong here. Colin Powell didn't do any of those things. I don't He's think that's same. right. I think actually he probably he, did. He did some of it. It was an earlier stage of technology, the, and nobody really cares. <laughs> but the reason she isn't prosecuted is really that she was Secretary of State. But that's that's wrong because regardless. Yeah. Okay. The, but yeah, it's not about her. No. Okay. Well, let's just anyone in a position of power needs to be held to sure, the same I, standard I, as I, the I general population. But. This is why I need so, a third so person. So George Bush should probably be in jail, really. For what did what did what did old Bush do? I'm, I'm ignorant to this. Well, I I mean he he jeopardized the Constitution in many many many. Or going to war without Congress. That and and just the the, the whole war itself. I, I I think he was the most unconstitutional president I can think of. Oh, I will I will 100 percent agree so, with you on that. And so you know what which things the lawyers would decide you could get him on or whatever. The Patriot I don't know, Act. but you know I mean we were we we uh, impeached Clinton for his sex life basically. Uh, well, Bush did spectacular things wrong had to do with everybody else's lives and the institutions and so forth. Oh yeah. And we don't care. So I, yeah. I think. I think it, I think Clinton got the the the, the shaft because um, that pissed people off. Like, oof, you know, maybe some Joe. But man, I wish I'd get a BJ and not yeah, get a child yeah. for people. Got I jealous. I don't even know what a BJ is. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, but yeah, but 
my wife always says she doesn't care. It's none of her business. It, it, it really why does everybody it, care so much? And it, so it's it's unbecoming and whatever uncool, but it's it's not doesn't rise to the level of impeachment. No, definitely not. I, I don't and that's think what so. they decided yeah. in the trial. But there was all that hullabaloo. So really, for for twenty five years, we've been wasting everybody's time and money and effort on all this criticism. When there isn't a lot there, I mean, I don't think they're any more privileged than anybody else. It isn't as if they're the only privileged people that are, yeah. you know, hiring undocumented workers to do their cleaning for them or whatever yeah. it is. You know, this is part of life. It is part of life. They- but people hate her, and I think it's because the media have sold it and convinced everybody to hate her, regardless of the fact. I, I need to, I will, I will say this, because we'll be talking again. I will... I will do my research. Right. On her. Okay. I did there. I just hate her so much. That I understand. I'm sure she's not perfect. You know. There hasn't been a fair shake of mine. If we had now, then I'm gonna have you on the show again. Right. Uh, it'll be a little bit better. I want to have a third person here so we can Google these facts yeah. and figure right. out. Uh, I'm who's sure she talking feels the better dog one day. And stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't she, doubt it. <laughs> she, yeah, she did. Yeah, but. Um, I'll look at. I'll look into it. Okay. I'll look into. I'm right. definitely not voting for either one of them. Right. I'm voting for Gary Johnson. But we've probably worn out your listeners by now. We probably have. Uh, They're like I, exhausted. You know, I want to be. I do. It is actually time. I want to be respectful of your time. So if you have anything, you got some books that you're you're penning or authoring. Oh well, I'm writing a book now called The Austrian Tradition in German Culture, and you know that'll be out in another year or two, and. Uh, I think a lot of people think my best book is a, is a book called Robert Musil and the Crisis of European Culture, which is the story of Musil's life. That was the first book I wrote, and mm-hmm. it talks about his place in European culture in relationship to the Nazis and all the stuff that happened in Europe in the 20th century. Yeah. So, anyway. Do you know who Dan Carlin is? Probably not. Carlin sounds like a comic, huh? Well, yeah, a different guy. A, yeah, a George Carlin, George, the, yeah. the 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 swear Carlin, words. Yeah. He's a he's a podcaster. He does. A, it's called a Hardcore History, and he did. A, uh, I think it's Preparation for Armageddon. I believe is a podcast, uh, and it's a world. It's like five hours of of. Uh, World War One history of all the battles mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all of the Fun. and you should might you might be able to check it. Out. It's it's interesting uh, because you've studied that era of, of German history. I didn't know that how how much of a cultural hub Germany was at that oh, time. Sure. It was just it was the it was the life of Europe pretty much. It was in a renaissance so to speak in in in, in Germany. And and uh, they. He he's like if if Germany would have won World War One, World War Two probably would have never happened. That's probably it's very interesting. But it it's, might have been a boring world. I think the German <laughs> the Germans are the, boring. The German military running the world would not have been a very pretty sight. It would no. be pretty dull and boring. Yeah. And so all these countries have two sides to them, or three sides, or four sides. Yeah. And um, that was not the best thing about Germany was not the way it governed at that time. Now it is. I mean, now Germany, I think, is probably more liberal and progressive than anybody. They're very liberal. I have a hunch, though, because um, there has been a, there was an attack there yesterday. Oh, yeah, that will change, yeah. I think they're going to, I just, I should say, I just feel like they're going to militarize it. They're going to get like us. I, well, I you have, don't think the, I, are the Germans going to get to be as right wing as we are? They would, they seem like such nice people. I, I don't. I'd know. be shocked I if just, they go I've over had to the this, edge like we. I, have. I've had this theory, and, and if you're a friend of mine, we've talked. I, I, it's a, it's a theory or a, or a premonition. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just feel like they're gonna militarize again. Not. I don't think they'll be a threat to. Any, I just. I feel like they're well, incredibly powerful. Yeah, they're an incredibly powerful country. You know, they have a, they have sure. a great GDP. They have. Sure. I, sure. I just feel like they kind of want to be an international but if they, player. If they really. had never gone military. They would be more powerful than they are now because yeah. they would have just have done it with oh, yeah. capitalism and yeah. science and all that. And stuff. I and I I 100 percent agree. But there's something I sort of take the uh, oh boy Ken Burns approach that, yeah. and I hate this. There's something intrinsically interesting and, and intoxicating about war and having power and that sort of 
thing. And I feel like humans will always be drawn toward that. Hopefully not. Hopefully we can outgrow that with our, that primal urge. But I feel like they kind of want to be... Not for the guy getting blown up, it's not. No, absolutely. Which is something we've talked about before, how the people that make the decision to go to war should have, A, either fought in a war or be leading yeah. the army. Yeah. Because that would definitely change yeah. a lot of their decisions. If yeah. there's that much personal investment in... In your car, if you do really believe right, in that, right, is it really worth yeah. your life, buddy? Go right on ahead, and yeah, you are right, the front exactly, of the line. Exactly. Why do young men go to die wars that old men start? Old men start. Yeah. I don't know who said I, that. I said that. No, I didn't. We'll, say we'll someone else. Yeah, I'll take All credit. Right. You're not gonna. You're not gonna turn me in for plagiarizing, are you? No. You promise? Yeah. All right. Yeah. But no, I uh, definitely want to be respectful of your time. We went a little over, but hey, right. man, I had a great time. I and did I too. Really it's great talking you with you. Yeah. In. Thanks and for doing the podcast. No, no problem, man. I hope I didn't get you arrested or anything. No, I'm sure I'll get arrested. Maybe oh, shot. Okay, I'm just but kidding. for something else anyway. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, uh, folks, uh, I love all of you guys. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, you guys have a great weekend. Or well, I guess it's I'm releasing this on Sunday. So have a good Monday. All right, guys. Peace. Thanks, Rick. No problem. <clears throat> peace. Hey, Infinity Break fans. Do you want to show your support and devotion for an extremely obscure group of entertainers? Well, now you can. Just go to our website at infinitybreak.net and click on the shop tab to be whisked away to our Redbubble, where you can find all sorts of awesome shirts, stickers, notebooks, and other gadgets decked out with icons from all of our most popular shows. Act now, because that stuff will be there forever.